Welcome to another edition of Two Say It Irish Guys. <laughs> I say it. Irish Guys Discussing Software. Thank you, Brendan. You're uh, welcome, my name is Tomas O'Leary. I'm here with Brendan Walsh. Another episode, another day, another week, another month since we last spoke to you. We're here to talk about some of the big stories in the mega vendor software world and in the tech industry in general. There has been a lot of news, which we'll come to in a moment. And we have some fantastic guests. This time guests, Brendan. The first time we've had guests. That's true. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to our two guests. We've got guy who's been around this business for as long as I've been around, Rowan O'Donoghue, co-founder and CTO of Origina. And Christian Follini, who is one of the leading experts in mod security. So we're going to talk about security, vulnerability, mega vendors. One of our favorite topics. But before yeah. we get to all that, I have to say something to you. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say your age. It's, it's my birthday podcast. This is it. Yeah. This is an exciting place to be. I know we, we discussed this before and you're getting better at it. You're not as, you're not as kind of episode 80. As up, uptight as it used to be at the beginning. Once we get to 100, I think I'll have practice. Wondering yeah. why we, why is there no preparation for the podcast? <laughs> but what are we going to call it? Two, two Irish guys why discussing software. And then when I, when my mouth opens, I forget to say the word Irish. So we've been stuck with that silly gag yeah, since the dad joke is, is over. Yeah. What are we My gonna, kids asked me this morning, said, what are you going to do today, Dad? And I said, I'm going to do a podcast. And they're like, no. <laughs> is that? And then and then my son said, what, the two Irish guys <laughs> discussing the software podcast? I said, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so what am I going to do after the podcast? I think have a beer, probably, some of that. We have beers in the fridge here yeah. in the office that if we don't drink them... <laughs> I'd say the sell-by date will be gone. I think yeah, we'll work our way through. I think myself and, and Michael. I think my sell-by date will be gone. In fact, the last beer, Michael and the podcast, we had the last beers in the office here. Uh, we didn't tell anybody then. So we, we're telling everybody now, so we'll uh, just have to have them. But, well, happy birthday. Thank you very much. Uh, it'll be an exciting podcast. We look forward to a guest later, but Jeannie Macaroni, there's been so many stories. Unbelievable number of stories. Where do I start? We got Google. Because so many stories about, we don't know we talk about Google that much, but Google antitrust case, monopolizing search, you know, have Google crossed the line? They've been in front of the lawmakers, Washington, last time we spoke, we were talking about that. Mm. They were back in front this week again with, uh, Jack Dorsey of Twitter, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook. They're back in front of them again this week. Um, a lot of stuff happened. We've got, Results, results, results. Mm-hmm. big results week. We'll come to those yeah. in a moment. Some downs, winners and losers. Oh, absolutely, we have. We got Zoom fatigue though. Jesus, yeah. I don't know if you saw the article. There was a piece, yeah. be this piece about some of the top CEOs, like uh, Jamie D- Diamond of, of J.P. Morgan Chase, mm-hmm. Doug Parker from American Airlines. Apparently, he's sick of Zoom. I'd say it's more than sick of Zoom. Then. Awful, he says. It is. Yeah, the experience. And even Satya Nadella. Yeah. He doesn't like Zoom. Well, I don't understand why he doesn't like Zoom. <laughs> he's got another product called Teams, yeah. I think it's called. But yeah, he's got Let's Zoom. Call it, yeah, video conferencing. Or, but but yeah. yeah, he says, he'll say 30 minutes in the first meeting of the day, and it's 
you're already fatigued. <laughs> Sorry, I wake myself up. Yeah. yeah uh, we want, but we need these. Yeah. They are right, to yeah. be fair. We need human contact. Yeah. I mean, they used, to, they used to be, driving with your name, they used to be awesome. Yes, Tom Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, another bad, bad dad joke. And now they're not. I think it's <laughs> what they're saying. But, uh, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. You know, they're now saying we need to get more human contact. We've got to what's actually about. So we need more human contact because it fosters creativity. Yeah. So, but yet, they're all going to be working at home for the next yeah. 24 months. So. It needs to be tricky for him as well after getting paid 44 million. <laughs> million. I thought you were going to say billion, but <laughs> no. just million. Forty-four million dollars pay. Yeah, yeah that's his package. Yeah, about thirty million in stock. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I think no, it's not too bad. You need some human contact to to throw some of that money around. We find it hard to have a bad story to say about him. There's well, there's, there's not many bad stories, and when we get to the results, it's still not looking bad. So yeah. there was a there was a there was a bit of a survey done on what happens to people during their Zoom teams, mm. their remote meetings, <clears throat> and where they are. I wonder was he falling into this category? Category. One in ten, apparently, have admitted, that's just who admitted it, I'd say you could double the number at least, admitted that they are in the bathroom yeah. during a call. In the bathroom, in the bathroom, cooking, <laughs> exercising. I mean, I've heard of other multitasking activities. In fact, I think there was somebody, I won't mention the name, famous recently, caught multitasking All right. while on a Zoom call. Uh, should have turned off their video. Right. Um, but I, I also read a little bit about the Harvard Business Review. You know, they said what you should do on a Zoom call. So some advice out there, maybe people could look it up on, online, but it was saying it's really tough to be on a Zoom call because you're expected to look at a camera. Mm. Because if you don't look at the camera, people don't think you're concentrating. But when you're in a boardroom or in a setting like this, you're not always staring at something for 30 minutes to make sure that the people in the room know that you're listening. So they said... It actually is a cause of fatigue. So they said, turn on the camera, turn off the camera, you know, maybe pick up the phone, don't always use video. So some good advice out there. Like if I was to stare at you, (laughs) I'd be worried. You'd probably think there was something wrong with me. (laughs) Yeah, I would. I would. But listen, we can't not talk about it. With all those other stories, the big story in the mega the biggest, vendor world. The biggest story ever. Biggest fact. story in mega vendor land Probably is God's story by far. To be IBM splitting their company. Yeah, splitting their company. I mean, we've uh, we've had some good, you know, stories out of. Out of t- I, I predicted predict, it. I think podcast number two, maybe. You yeah, know, we talked about it, but um, it's a company that never keep, it keeps on giving. We've had um, we had Ginny Romney recently retire. Um, oh, she's chair. Chair. She's chair. Sat down from CEO. But this is this is the big one. This is the one that uh, we've been talking about for a long time. Like, what do you want to know about it? It's pretty seismic. Um, we have we have the GTS division essentially. Like, what are they? What are, what are, what have they sold? They've sold their services business. What they sold? It? They sold their GTS yeah. division, which is the kind of technology services division, which mostly is involved in kind of infrastructure management. It's data center. It's data center. It's old school. It's been declining for a long time. Uh, much like the revenues of IBM have been declining for a long time, uh, year, year on year. It's been one of the kind of underperforming, underwhelming divisions. For, Are they going for, to put for, lipstick on a pig here? Well, I think, I mean, they were certainly dressing it up uh, that that way when they were talking about it, when they were spinning it off, they were, they were actually... Talking up so much, actually, uh, that I thought, well, why are they selling it in the first place, given that they're thinking it's going to be there? And even Ginny was rolled out again to talk about it on TV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, 
it's good news, bad news. I mean, there's, there's, there's mixed, mixed views. I mean, there's conversations about is this good for the employees? Uh, apparently not. Apparently the employee, there could be a, up to at least 20,000 redundancies are resource actioned employees uh, in, in GTS out of the 90,000 that exist there at the moment. That's been happening anyway for a long time. There's a lot of redundancies in the GTS area. Is it good for the customer? It's very hard to know. IBM has never really done anything that's been particularly good for its customers over the last uh, the last decade. That's mm. what we've seen. It's about it's about the stock price. It's about the share price, in mm. my opinion. It's about trying to put, as you say, lipstick on the pig and paint a good story. IBM have been suffering in the public cloud space. They probably lost lost that battle. They spent thirty two billion to to get into the hybrid cloud, all in the back of declining revenues. I mean, if you look at IBM in the last kind of 20 years, previous numbers a few times, but back in 2011, they were over 100 billion in revenue. 2019, 77 billion in revenue. And the GTS division, which in 2011 itself was at about 40 billion in revenue. So nearly 40% of revenue of IBM is down to around 26, 27 billion. As a, as so a it was 40 billion at one stage. And they're saying now it's, it's a 19, so it's halved. In that period, yeah, the, the part of the the part of the division GTS, which is going to be sold into this new co, will represent about nineteen twenty billion. There's there's a there's a part of it that isn't going into into the okay. new co, which is about six seven billion that they're keeping yeah. into into IBM. So the really declining bit given that's the, been most underperforming is being put into new co, and the, the any bits that are anyway decent, particularly the bits that 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 meet the kind of hybrid cloud, multi cloud. Uh, the containerization software that, that that's been worked on, uh, which is why they've all read that in the first place. All that good stuff has yeah. been kept in IBM, and arguably all the crappy stuff has been. And you can crap. see all the all the marketing heads in Armour going, you know, we'll do. We're going to call the <laughs> Newco because it's really old co, <laughs> and we'll let the name Newco. I mean, it's crazy stuff. It'll it, yeah, somebody will make some money out of rebranding it. But yeah, so they're the, they're the facts. I mean, let, let's see what pans out. It's going to take till the end of next year for it. What has it meant for their numbers? I mean, they had, they had some numbers out recently. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, the numbers, the numbers are the same as they've ever been. So if you look at Q, a disaster, Q, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, it's never been, it hasn't been good for a long time. So we, we, we do the numbers every quarter, but this is the third consecutive quarter of declining revenue, 17.56 billion. So it's down 4% year on year, 18 billion. Q3 2019, 17.5 billion Q3 2020. The GTS division, which we've just been talking about, it was down 4% and it was down uh, you know, 6% year on year uh, over 2019. So like, it's all kind of down and down, really. Like, they're, they're actually struggling a bit for cash for the first time. Free cash flow is uh, its lowest yeah, ever since 2000 and 2001. So just over a billion in, in free cash flow. Yeah. So you know, free cash flow was used. There's definitely kind of lipstick going on this pig. Pay dividends. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they pay the entire free cash flow out as dividends to the shareholders. So the shareholders won't be happy about that. But that, but that said, they didn't have a huge dip in their overall valuations. It kind of fluctuated a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, another kind of fairly grim set of results yeah. for IBM, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Anybody have good results out there? There, there are some, but but the next kind of you know grim oh, set of results. Oh, grim! Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, this we like grim. Of, this is kind of shocking, actually, but a little bit. But SAP uh, released their Q3, so their results kind of basically re- talked about reduced income on the back of COVID nineteen. So COVID nineteen 
causing a slowdown in, in the move to cloud and their cloud services. They've, they've also changed their ambitions as a company. So everybody has their kind of, uh, their, their, their mid, mid, you know, mid-tier ambitions. So their 2023 ambition has now become the 2025 ambition. Um, because they've moved out their ambitious targets of, of, of becoming a 40 billion company by a couple of years. Wow. So what else has gone on there? Yeah. I mean, basically saying customer invest, investments have been pushed back. Demand is impacted well into 2021. So it'd be nice to the customers. I heard that not. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you listen to the market, there's, there's, you know, and you listen to the amount of people that have moved over to, you know, HANA S4 or, Sorry, S four and, and uh, how long those implementations are ta- are taking, and how long it's taking to shift to, to S four Hana and, and the length of those projects. Not particularly happy, but the overall impact, the shocking impact, is that is that their market cap is down fifty billion. So they were at a share price around the twenty third of October. Fifty billion. Fifty billion. I've got their share price. Yeah. So their market cap on the twenty third of October was one hundred and seventy eight billion. Uh, so almost 180 billion, and it's now down at 130 billion. So Did Bill McDermott billion. know anything before he left? He was I a great guy to have a few stories about, but yeah, his timing, you know, in sales, timing is everything. And I think the fact that he left to go to service now is a good, good <laughs> maybe he predicted seeing this coming. So the overall report was pretty gloomy. Everything's down. I mean, I could, I could go no. on about it, but they've lost tens of billions after. after oh Germany. my God, that is crazy. And they yeah. are one of the biggest German technology companies, uh, yeah. one of the most successful ones, but that's, yeah. that's and bad so, news. So the forecasts are great. News. Yeah. In, in better news. Yeah, yeah please. Yeah, yeah Microsoft had it. Bring us up again. Yeah. <laughs> well, Microsoft had its Q1 <laughs> and its revenues were up 12%. So whereas everybody else is down, Microsoft. It's very hard to find a good news, a bad news story with Microsoft. We're struggling, except maybe Satya's forty-four million a year, but uh, but maybe he deserves as well. The back of thirty-seven billion revenue, up twelve percent. Azure revenue growth was up forty-eight uh, percent. However, in Q one last year, it was up fifty-nine percent. So actually, there's been a slowdown in the increase in its growth, which, okay. some, which some analysts say is is disappointing. But their intelligent cloud is up twenty percent. Commercial cloud is up thirty-one percent. And so, yeah, the mark, the stock market was rallied a little bit on the back of that. Not a, not, not a huge acceleration in their stock price, but it, but since the, since the earnings, actually, I was reading yesterday that, um, their, their forecast for the, the next quarter. So, um, the, the, the fourth quarter of the calendar year, their second quarter are actually down. So they've given a, um, advanced market notice that, that they don't expect to hit their targets for next quarter. And so they've had a slump in their share price, actually, of about, I think it's about 6% in the last 24 hours. So their share price has dropped by about seven, $7 or so. Mm. So it's not all rosy in the garden for Microsoft. But but uh, yeah, certainly Q1 was very good. Q2 looks a bit more downbeat. Yeah, we're always going to struggle with a bad story, except the fact that actually, eventually, things do turn. You know, so maybe we might have, we keep going in these podcasts and eventually yeah. find a bad story. Yeah, it's, it's, up, it's up and down for yeah. everybody. Well, it's always that we have to have heroes and we have to have villains. Ah, well, at least, you know. Your favorite villain. One of my favorite villains is Larry Ellison. Oh, Larry Ellison. Again, and it keeps on giving. Uh, apparently, he gave $250,000 to Lindsey Graham's uh, pack. There's his um, Security is Strength pack, which buys pro um, Lindsey Graham ads. So he gave that money. Mm. Just hours after Oracle beat Microsoft to deal, they get the deal with TikTok, the Chinese company. Yeah. 
price of available. Um, uh, there was tweets from Graham uh, saying, uh, obviously, he personally called President Donald Trump to advocate for the they sale. After voice message. Yeah. He said, if TikTok is saved, you can thank me. That's what he says. <laughs> and he probably said that's quite a good impersonation. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Accents are not my main thing. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and he then went on to tweet, great decisions by President Trump to approve the sale of TikTok to Oracle and Walmart. I mean, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. It's actually only 20% of the company because the rest of the company is owned by yeah. the market. You know? But apparently, the, the campaign said, by law, we have no affiliation because it's only a PAC. Oh, so no, no affiliation with security. It's just a super PAC that backs, independently yes. backs, yeah. without Lindsey Graham's knowledge, uh, they buy ads all over the internet. Yeah. <sighs> but that's madness. Yeah, and it's funny, there's, you look at this now, you've got Oracle buying TikTok. We talked about this mm-hmm. the last time. Um, and this is one of the big challenges. And we might talk to the, to our guests there in a moment about this because this is, the thing we see all the time within businesses, the old and new being bolted together. That's you know, all, the, all of the things around digital transformation, uh, IT modernization in large organizations have used IT for years. This is the issue. Now, a company like Oracle is a classic core legacy application company. That's where they make their money. Databases. You know, there's nothing really sexy about databases anymore. And yet they buy a new age mm. Well, you know, a company that's less than 10 years old, TikTok, um, they're going to bring those two together. This is the thing we want to explore with our guests now around security. Mm-hmm. Around this yes, because, was, because Microsoft backed off that deal, from what I understand, because of security issues. Yeah, yeah. and we're delighted to be joined by our two guests. Rowan O'Donoghue, my colleague and co-founder of Origina. Welcome. How are you? Just joined us here in the room. Hey guys, how are you? Good to be excellent on the podcast. Thanks for coming to my birthday party. Yeah, yeah indeed. indeed. <laughs> I was thinking we should change the name. Actually, it can't be really three Irish. It's going to be one, one Irish guy and two Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, what's for Brendan's birthday? Kulji. We we can, we'll come up. We'll, we'll we'll deal with the translations of that for, for our audience and our Irish audience yeah. later. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Innovation was always your strength. <laughs> um, so, and Christian Fellini, how are you? You're joining us from Switzerland. What part of Switzerland are you in? I'm near the capital, Bern. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Um, the two of you did an outstanding webinar recently that I listened to. Really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was Fascinating, and actually gave us gave me the idea that bringing you got you guys on the show would be would be fascinating because I know the work that you did for that webinar looked at the uh, the whole area of kind of legacy uh, new security vulnerability issues, how we deal with that, and I know that your background, Christian, you look at this sort of stuff all the time. Can I start with you, Christian, and ask you a question? Sure. We're, we're talking here about. TikTok, Chinese company, um, or a part of it anyway, being bought by Oracle. And we're talking about the the threats that might exist in general, and then more specifically to, you know, there's the general Chinese-US threat, clearly. But from a software perspective, what's your view of that, that integration? And it, is it, is it this, are we going to see more of these types of, of transactions because we see these sort of issues with big companies, 
trying to merge their old with the new. This is a new old company merging a new business onto it. Both of them heavily involved in the tech industry. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, if we, if we start out with TikTok, I mean, the, Oracle and TikTok are not quite a natural fit. I mean, I reckon you've been as surprised as I've been. And Oracle doesn't really have a history of being very successful with uh, surprising acquisitions. So I wonder how they can bring the two together, but I definitely cannot see how this could fit. Uh, more generally speaking, Yes, we're seeing more and more of these. I mean, uh, IBM purchased Red Hat in a surprising move, or maybe not so surprising. And there you could really see how they can complement each other. Here it's just, for me, this is too bizarre to actually work. Then uh, there is a rivalry between the US and Chinese companies or China at, at large. And as there are new uh, startups existing outside the traditional US market or originating from outside US, the big US companies, the mega vendors, they're interested to get them back in, to rein them in. So uh, it all stays under US control. So I reckon we're going to see more of this. And from a security perspective, I mean, for me as a Swiss, I'm neutral. I don't care who attacks me. And if it's the US or the Chinese, we're going to, they're not taking my privacy very seriously. So I don't mind too much who these companies belong to. Uh, and we just have to continue to keep an eye on what they're actually doing. So it doesn't really make so much of a difference, but then it's, it's a real game changer when no longer US company are controlling 95% of the internet. So there is suddenly Chinese, uh, maybe Indian uh, or European companies who have a bigger dent into this. Yeah. So it's getting more diverse, maybe more complex, and also harder to assess the security situation. And it's probably a natural development in this kind of anti-globalization, you know, as, as jurisdictions or countries are becoming more protective. I mean, we see it within the European, European Union. Um, there's increasing uh, pushes to have European alternatives to to some of the major U.S. tech companies. They're calling them to task in a similar way, actually, even in the U.S., as we talked earlier, I don't know if you were listening in, but we talked earlier about the, um, the likes of Google and Facebook, the big tech companies getting challenged by various lawmakers and lawmaker committees in the United States, and indeed the antitrust case of, of against Google. We're going, maybe it's a defense, I mean, Oracle's case, that maybe it's a defensive move as they expect uh, maybe a challenge because they are a U.S. company. They might expect challenges growing globally. Therefore, they acquire a totally unrelated business, really, in North America that allows them maybe expand there and maybe in jurisdictions where where it's allowable, where there's more U.S. friendly administrations. Do you, do you think that's that, that 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 sort of trend is going to continue? And if it does, what do you think that might do to? to opening up security challenges? I would say diversification is certainly a good defense strategy if it comes to cases like that that we're seeing. If TikTok is such a good, uh, such a bright move is a different question. And I mean, generally I see them opening, opening up to new security challenges, just not in this particular case, because I don't, I don't see a TikTok API in Oracle database. So, so I don't see the interface here, how this could, could affect it. But generally when you integrate something new into something existing, 
then you're building new interfaces. And from a threat modeling perspective, it's always the interface where the problem happens. You contain your own software, you know your stack, and then you bring in something new. And this is where the rupture happens. This is where different data sets meet, where different data formats, inputs meet other ones, and you take things for granted that are not so granted in the other software. There is a sort of impedance mismatch when they exchange data. So integrating stuff is always tricky and difficult. So yeah, generally, yeah. yeah, when we see diversity and when we see things move together that haven't been together, that's a source of insecurity, definitely. Yeah. So actually what we're saying really here, it's not necessarily TikTok or even Oracle's software per se, that's where the issues may be. And there may well be challenges there. It's more likely to be the interface. Ron, would you agree with that? And, and particularly look at that, your knowledge of legacy applications and traditional core technology. Do you think Oracle are going to be able, are going to have, are have greater threats? Going to change it all? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an interesting one. I mean, it's been a bit of a roller coaster and probably a bit of an anticlimax because, you know, I didn't get it, didn't initially get the fit between Oracle and TikTok, but, you know, it's kind of more that Oracle has become a, a technology kind of partner in this space. So, you know, their, their role here is really hosting, um, you know, the TikTok data on their own cloud servers. But so they don't, they're not inquiring their products. You know, they're not getting access to the source code. So I guess the whole brief here is about protecting end user data. Okay. So if, you know, ByteDance still owns that, who's not to say that they, data could still be leaked out, right? And obviously Oracle are now the, the, I guess, the host and provider of this data in the US. So I think there's, there's a lot more questions there to be probably asked. And I'm not too sure it actually solves the original brief of putting it in the ownership of a, of a US company. So I think there's, it, it, it obviously it could serve as a massive distraction. You know, I can see, you know, Oracle does actually have a good track record, I guess, from a security perspective, you know, if we go back to their origins and it probably is considered the one of, or probably at the forefront from a security perspective as their cloud services when you compare it to, you know, AWS um, or Microsoft's Azure. But uh, I think there's a lot of unanswered questions, you know, if, 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 if I look at it. And it doesn't sound to me then, if it's a, if we said it before in this podcast, that it's, they're buying a customer. So they're buying a customer, they're not going to sell TikTok technology to their own clients. It doesn't sound like they are. So they're, they're yeah. going to host an environment so really, it's it's probably not a trend. Then you're going to see. I know Christian talked about the Red Hat IBM acquisition. Yeah. Red Hat is probably you wouldn't have considered them maybe new age. They were probably new age ten years ago. Yeah. You know, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, like it's an odd. I didn't see the fit originally. Where does it help Oracle? I mean, well, you, I heard you guys talk about numbers earlier on. I mean, I mean, Oracle posted their numbers, I and mean, they've got an increase in revenues as well. So I think they're they bet their kind of forecast. I think they were up 6%. So, you know, what did they get out of it? I think it helped push them from a cloud services perspective. And, I mean, listen, I think every organization is probably looking at, you know, where is their future in this kind of post-COVID kind of world? Do they, you know, does Larry have some sort of vision in terms of getting into a social media kind of platform? Who knows, you know, uh, and maybe what they can use. I guess the key thing for them is it's data. You know, that's what Oracle is about. They're getting access to data here. But going back to the security piece, the problem with it is they can't control it. Yeah. You know, they're not buying that, that that IP. They're not getting access to the source code. So I think it actually creates more security questions and more challenges for Oracle. And again, you know, if you look at you know, how it might Im impact their customers, you know, you could get you know, eye taken off the ball mm. and get distracted mm. by it. Who knows? 
Because if you go back to what you said earlier, Christian, around that interface yeah. being the, the area of risk, and we look at, say, in the business that we're in, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the journeys that big enterprises are doing on this kind of out with the old, in with the new kind of concept. Mm-hmm. The old is still there, well, yeah. basis for a while. The new is there. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, is that, that's the interface you're talking about there, Christian, is it? That, that when you bring yeah. in this new tech to interface with the old tech, there is a potential exposure is that what we're talking about i'd say so yeah that is exactly the problem and how how can one deal with that then oh um in in security there is a practice called threat modeling and this means you look at your service in a in a very holistic way look where are the interfaces here where are the ruptures where are breaking points where see this fall apart and out of experience uh, you really need to focus on the interfaces. So when you uh, combine two pieces of software, it's one being old, one being new, but uh, it's, it's more general, like just two pieces of software, you need to look how do they interchange their data? How does do they talk with one another? And you need uh, to examine this in detail and you need to uh, have a very tight control there. This is where security filtering is very important. Because one does an export and the other one does an import. And the import is a parsing function. And if the parsing function explodes, then you suddenly have a sec fault uh, in a potentially very, very important part of your software. I mean, we're talking here about core components of large enterprises. So if these components, if, a ma- if an IBM mainframe has a sec fault, it's relatively error. But let's say if you have a big security issue in the core of your enterprise because you didn't configure your parser in a secure way, then that's a huge problem. And you can anticipate that because it's always where they interchange their data, where these problems happen very, very often because the input validation is not good enough. And then an attacker knows this, of course, and he knows the two pieces of software and the attacker realizes, look, uh, software A thinks it's going to get an integer and uh, software B is not aware of that and it's submitting a big number, which is far larger than an integer and we have a buffer overflow, additionally. So it's these uh, small changes in data formats that lead to big problems. So in threat modeling, you always look at the interfaces, maybe not first, but in very great detail. And that is already half the solution here. Okay. And I would imagine then this challenge exists if the new is either on-premise or, I mean, most technologies these days are in the cloud. So your interfaces are on the internet, yeah? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. The the longer, the more, aren't they? So, so everything everything is on the internet, really, these days, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I think. <laughs> uh, Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> most things are out there. That, that's the way. That's the way. It is. Yeah. I mean, we, we're we're seeing this. You're seeing this in, in the business that you do every day of the week with our customers. They are moving things to the cloud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean security isn't our core, isn't our core area, but how do we? address that and how do you talk about that to customers? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, everyone's going through their own transformational journey, right? And I don't think there is the one size fits all. I mean, there's a good place for cloud, but then there's other organizations that, you know, there's certain systems that they'll, they'll never move to cloud, they'll be on-premise. And other customers generally just kind of at that fork and road and they're not sure yet what the strategy is. But I think when we talk about security, I think the, the biggest gap 
that can come in is that sometimes, you know, when we design systems, there's a big focus on security, right? But security isn't just you do it at the outset. You know, it, it's a continuous piece of work. And sometimes with transformation journeys, the legacy systems are forgotten about. And that's why they get exposed, right? And I think it's important that until that journey is complete, the whole environment, be it cloud and on-premise, is kind of looked at from a security context, particularly where vendors are, you know, yeah, I mean, all the mega vendors are looking, you know, they're, they're, they're investing in the new technology, right? They're, they're not really as interested in the old platforms. And we can see that with their support programs, right? So that leaves customers exposed, okay? And I think, you know, that's probably the area where the customer should not lose focus. You know, what are the controls we need to put in place to make sure that they are protected? So we don't find out about the day, you know, there's a leak and then there's brand damage and then, there's a, you know, the focus needs to, 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 you know, go back onto those. So I think that's probably one of the areas, you know, uh, people probably need a What What can the mega vendors, what should the mega vendors be doing then? If they're not, so you describe what they're not mm. doing, okay? So what should they be doing? Good question. I, mean, I think it's well, I mean, if what they should be doing is looking after those states, you know, but they don't. Um, and I think that's where, you know, we have customers today in terms of looking at those environments. You know, it's, it's about profiling the estate, you know, it's understanding, you know, what are the right solutions to protect against it. Um, but it's not just about, you know, a world of applying patches, etc. You know, it's about monitoring. It's about having, you know, data protection in place. It's about having a good incident response, you know, because if, you know, even if you look at it, We've seen them with malware. You know, if your if your laptop gets encrypted, for example, right, and then you don't want to pay a ransom, you know, you could lose all your data. So you know, you don't want to be exposed in those situations where you don't have a data backup. So just some principle that you know that you should be focused on. But you know, vendors are not looking at those those estates today, um, and the problem is a lot of customers are not that agile in terms of moving to the cloud. So they feel they're being abandoned. So you know, if I was a customer, demand, I would be demanding more from those mega vendors, but unfortunately, you know, that's not forthcoming. Yeah. You know? Environments are becoming more complex. There's less money available, perhaps, in the current climate, for sure. So people are going to have less resources, less time, potentially more exposure. Mm -hmm. uh, as, mo as people are no longer able to travel, criminals will be looking for opportunities online. It's It, it paints a scary picture. Uh, and, and I know, Chris, Chris should you, you have involvement in this with your... The stuff you've done in the um, in the mod security area, I wonder. Do you have a view? Uh, I mean, when I think about security, I always think about kind of the old books I used to read, Robert Ludlum and spy novels. And, <laughs> uh, as a kid, uh, the government usually and regulators and lawmakers usually have a role in this. You know, um, they're really only now starting to take take, take an active interest. Do you, do you think there should be a role for lawmakers and regulators in this area? Yeah, I mean, who's protecting your privacy if, if there are no laws? I mean, this is the whole reason about GDPR. I don't know if GDPR is playing out so nicely, but it, there is definitely a, a need for lawmakers to interfere because the individual customer is such a small person in front of a company like Facebook, for example. I mean, what, do, what does Facebook care? about the privacy of an individual uh, customer. So it, it takes nation states uh, or the European Union to, to, uh, to confront them, these problems. And then we have uh, uh, this whole IoT problem. I mean, the internet of things is a race to the bottom as far as security is concerned. Uh, these are just produced on the cheap, hooked up on the internet, and then uh, let the world deal with it. 
mean, they might be around for years. They're uh, they're weak. They're easy to exploit, and they're used as as zombies in botnets and start to attack you. I mean, you're now facing probably uh, armies of fridges attacking your heating system or stuff like that. And and I think there has got to be a role for lawmakers forcing companies to build in basic security in devices that are hooked up on the internet. And that's definitely not happening so far. And of course, the first uh, legislation will drive the business out of that country. So it has to be a big initiative, the coordinate initiatives of major industrial countries that is happening. And this is going to play into US-China war, of course. So yeah. it's very hard to tell. So I think, yes, there is a role. But of course, it's hard to do good legislation in the, in this area. I mean, this is a very innovative space. A lot of startups. There is a lot of action happening. And with every uh, law that you're imposing, you're risking to kill business and nobody wants to do that. So I think it's tricky. Interesting point about the IoT space there, uh, Christian, and, and the you know the, the cheap or low cost devices because the majority of them are, are actually made in, you know, speaking of TikTok, the majority of them are probably made in China and, uh, and then shipped to the US, you know, where they're monitoring everybody's activity. Do you think that'll be another... U.S. administrative target in the coming in the coming years, like it did with with TikTok and, the, and protecting the data that actually they'll they'll go after the device manufacturers and, and maybe insist that they're they're manufactured on U.S. soil and then not so cheaply and then not so cheaply. Yeah, may, maybe I, I think the the whole uh, surveillance via Chinese webcams. Uh, I think that's it. Sounds almost too simple for me, or too obvious. It, also, the same thing we are TikTok. Um, maybe yes, maybe no. It's very hard to tell for me, but it's definitely a thing, and it's hard to supervise production as long as it's as it's in China. So maybe what what I do see is European Union prohibiting uh, selling gadgets without a, a security seal on it. This I can imagine that this could happen. Yeah, I think you're going to find that. I mean, you just need to go on AliExpress and you see the amount of products out there with technology. And you can be sure, I guess, you know, if the manufacturing costs are low, there's, you know, the, the security aspect is being shortchanged. So, I mean, they, they will be on the market. You can't really control production in those areas. You'll always have that challenge. So, you know, you just need to be wary. I think it's education. Be wary what you're buying, what you're exposing yourselves, and don't buy IoT devices. Yeah, sure, man. Good advice, but what can uh, the standard customer do about this? I mean, how would they know? What do they know about firmware updates and webcams? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. They wouldn't know anything. The standard customer. Yeah. yeah it's a. There's a a big road to travel in this area. Um, we we do have to wrap things up very shortly. But I did want to ask you a final question, Christy. While I have you here, not to put you on the spot, but looking forward. We're nearly, we're heading, sadly, well, maybe not so sadly, to the end of 2020. It's been such an <laughs> awful, awful beginning of a decade. Um, 2021, leaving aside your thoughts on lockdown version two, COVID version two, <laughs> in, in relating to your own industry and your own work, uh, Christian, tell us, what do you think, you know, you, can you, do you have any thoughts or predictions for the future, uh, into 21 and, and uh, what 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 would they be? Well, um, 
Tough question. Thank you for that one. Uh, well, looking back at, at this year, I'd say it can only get better. But then uh, being more serious, probably not. Uh, security threats are always popping up. I, I was asking myself if this ransomware malware, this encryption of files, if this was going away because people have learned to do proper backups. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe I'm too optimistic. Uh, maybe this takes another couple of years until this disappears. I reckon that denial of service is going to be back sooner or later. I think denial of service is always underestimated and it's so simple to do. Uh, yeah. So I reckon that's back. And then what we, well, definitely the big data leaks will continue. Uh, data is consolidated, data is centralized, so it's going to leak. This is continuing. And I think, uh, your audience, customers, uh, people need to be aware that data leaks, password leaks are a huge threat. Company need to check the passwords that their employees and their users, their customers are using. They need to monitor passwords and they need to make sure that they have strong passwords. And of course, two-factor authentication is a huge improvement here. So yeah. that, that is something they can do. And then what we definitely have not seen is, is criminals changing data. We have seen criminals stealing data. We have seen criminals encrypting data, which is a form of stealing, but we have not seen criminals changing data at will and then run an extortion on this. So to give you an example, if you uh, break into an architect in the shop of an architect and you change the building plans in subtle ways, like say, look, you guys are building a, a bridge and we changed the static dimension of this bridge a bit. It's likely it's going to break. Here is our bank account and you tell you what we changed. I mean, they, I think they have to pay. And I, I think this takes more thinking on the side of the criminal, how they can affect. But I think it's much more effective to force people into paying, into into uh, forcing them to either go out of business or complying with the attacker. And yeah. I wonder when we're going to see that. This is beyond the basic stealing or destruction of data. It's just, it's the manipulation of data. And I think that is super dangerous. And they're in a perfect situation to do this. I mean, if you have access to a network, then just do your reconnaissance and start to change, change information in very painful spots. Mm. You paint a, a bleak picture there, and I give him the fact that every, everybody is working from home, <laughs> <We're> <laughs> depressed, <laughs> including <laughs> the criminals. That was, that was uplifting. I, I, was on, I was on a birthday. Yeah, you asked for it. Now. You asked for it. <laughs> well, no, the, truth, the truth is, what Chris is talking about is perfect. We have, we have opportunities to address this, and I think by being aware of it and discussing it, I think it's great that we're having this out in the open and... The more more that should continue. I presume, Christian, speaking of working from home, you're able to carry on your business as normal, or are you having challenges like everybody else? Or how's it going for you in your own business? Oh, the plan was definitely let's stay with my family a lot more in 2020. So this played out nicely, and I actually long to go back to an office. Well, good for you. I hope we're all I get to an office, and I hope we get to to see you again. Thank you to you, Christian. Thank you, Roan, for joining us. Finally, get to join us on our. Two Irish guys discussing software podcasts. He's been 
looking at us for the last two years going, what are these guys actually up to? <laughs> so so uh, now he knows. Uh, so thank you, guys. Uh, Brendan, I think we're at the end of another show. Yeah, on fourth. Very sad. Yeah, I'm going to go home now and get some birthday cake or something. We'll have we'll a beer, Brendan. Happy birthday. We're going to have that You're beer. Bad. We're going to have the beer first. Yeah, yeah just we'll we'll check, check, the, check, the, check, check the date. Very good. <laughs> 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 yeah. Thank you for having me, guys. And I uh, drink a beer to you, Brandon. Thanks, Christian. Talk yeah. to you soon. Thank you. We will be back at, in a month's time. We have another guest coming from the West Coast of the United States. We'll get in more detail to come. And until then, God knows what will happen. We'll have a possibly new president of the United States. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? We'll hear lots of more results, I'm sure. Lots more exciting things will happen. The world will change, that's for sure. But we will be here. We'll be back. Talk to you soon. See you then. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Christian. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.